You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. Sweet. Well, welcome, welcome. We're so excited to be diving back in today. It almost feels strange to be up here when I'm not leading worship, but let me regroup real quick on this one. Make sure I gotta have my notes. Sweet. Well, welcome back, guys. We are continuing our series of Lovers of God, which Pastor Doss has been preaching the last two weeks. Give it up for him. He's back there running, pro presenter with his son, which is incredible. That's the heart of a pastor right there, doing literally anything that needs to be done. It's incredible. So we are super grateful that he is leading, and I'm super grateful he's given me the opportunity to give this sermon today. So I'm super excited to be here with you guys. Super honored. For those of you who don't know, I'm Patrick, the worship pastor here. I'm usually not up here without a guitar, so I feel very vulnerable with you guys. But, you know, it's okay. We're excited. We're excited to be up here, and I am just super stoked about this word that the Lord has shared. Um, One other thing I want to point out is that this is the first Sunday that we are kicking off our kids' ministry. Give it up for that, right? We love kids. Come on, the next generation. So we are so excited that, you know, we've had them in here on Sundays, which has been such a blessing to see just, you know, the younger generation being poured into, but now we have a dedicated space in our building. We'll continue to grow that. So please be praying over that. We are so excited that we get to pour into kids and eventually students as we grow as a church. So we are just so excited for what the Lord has in store. Before we dive into this message, I want to just go ahead and pray over us, and then we'll dive in. So let's go to the Lord. Father God, we are so excited to be in your presence today. Thank you for bringing us here safely. Thank you for bringing us not only in person, but online as well, that we are just able to sit in your presence wherever we're at. So Lord, speak to us today. We invite you into this space. We invite you into our hearts and just to be in the same space as us, just sitting with us. So Lord, guide us today. Guide us as we go through this week and just let us be expectant for what you have to offer. So God, we love you and we live for you. And everybody said... And everybody said, that's a little better. I, the coffee's still kicking in for me, so I really need it from you guys. That's really it. So I want to start off by going with our focal verse from this series, which is 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 through 4. So if we can throw that up on the screen. Perfect. But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, Slander is without self-control. Man, this is very positive. Wow. Without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's heavy. That's, that's so heavy. I love that Pastor Donish chose this for our focal verse for this series because it's so heavy of so much stuff that we fall into daily. I fall into probably half of those each week, and I have to repent for that constantly. But It brings us back around to that last phrase where it says, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So this whole series we want to do, it'll be about two months. We're halfway through it now that we're just focusing on how do we love God? So the last two weeks, Pastor Donis had a two-part message that focused on a bunch of different ways of how we're supposed to walk out loving God. And today I want to continue with that and talk about when when we walk with the Lord, how do we love him practically? And the first word that came to mind when I was prepping for this was intimacy. So today I'm going to be talking about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And one of the best ways is explained throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, is the word fellowship. So 
Fellowship, it means friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. So who's got friends that you have at least one shared interest with? Anyone? Sweet. I love it. I feel like, I mean, we're all in church, right? That's one shared interest, right? We love God. We're here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we've got fellowship among us, among believers, among people. And it comes from the Greek word koinonia, which means holding something in common. So like I said a moment ago, in the New Testament, there are 20 different uses of the word fellowship, which means it's probably pretty important if it keeps showing up through half of the Bible. So I want to start off in Philippians 2, or yeah, verses 1 and 2. It says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. And so there it's talking not just about fellowship with one another, but fellowship with the Holy Spirit, which is where we're going to be diving in a bit more today. But I also wanted to bring up Acts 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So this is the other side of fellowship that we get that is in community. So this is talking directly about sitting with the apostles, breaking bread, having a meal together, and praying with one another, praying intercessory over one another, and just sitting in each other's presence. So, yes, 20 different times in the New Testament, it's definitely something that we should be focusing on. One of my favorite descriptions of fellowship actually comes from the 1500s. So in the 1500s, we go back to... um, We go back to Martin Luther, who's one of the biggest religious leaders I think we've ever seen and ever heard of driving the Protestant Reformation. But one of his protégés, Philip Melanchthon, I think I pronounced that right. I hope so. Philip Melanchthon, he was a teacher and a theologian that worked closely with Luther as a teacher. He was an intellectual intellectual leader. He was doing a lot of speaking, a lot of leading. A lot of people looked to him very closely, just like they did to Martin Luther. The way he said it was that, The three main principles of biblical Christian fellowship are wrapped up in this. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. I'm going to say that again. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. So let's break that down for a second. So starting with the first one, in essentials, unity. So this is talking about us as Christians. The things we have to share to be walking in fellowship with Christ is our belief on salvation. So... You know, beliefs necessary to salvation, such as the character of Christ, inspiration of scripture, that it's God-breathed, Godhood of the Lord, resurrection of Jesus. It's pretty pretty cut and dry, you know, we can agree on that. When it comes to non-essentials, which is the second part, liberty, that's when you get into what became denominational splits. You know, we worship differently, we express our love to the Lord differently, we have our own personal walk, which I think is a really cool part, and you get into the personality of the character of the Lord individually. Because if you look at me versus you look at Noah versus you look at Jonathan versus you look at Delaney, the Lord speaks to all of us so differently. He's put different callings on our lives. So of course, we're gonna have a different relationship with him. So within that, we will have free will. We'll have different choices, differences in how we sit with the Lord, how we speak to the Lord, what the Lord speaks to us. He's not gonna say the same thing to you that he's saying to me every single day. If If he did, we would all have the same calling. We'd all be doing the exact same job, and that's not what the Lord calls us to. And then lastly, in all things, charity. So we as Christians are called to love and serve those around us. I want to give a shout-out to Sarah, too, for doing so much of our Connections ministry. Can we give it up for her? Seriously, she does so much for us. And that is, 
That is who we are called to be as Christians. We are called to serve the community. We are called to love people around us. We are called to love the Lord. And the best way to love the Lord is serving those who are in our community. So I know we've got people from Nashville Rescue Mission who have always been with us, which is incredible. We've got a coffee house, which I think Sarah will mention later on today. So definitely sign up for that kind of thing. But when it comes back to the idea of fellowship, these are the three characteristics, unity, liberty, and then charity, which I think is super cool because now we have a logical precept of the kingdom and body of believers brought together with the unified belief of the Lord, vastly different, but that's what makes the body function together. I want to come up to 1 Corinthians 12, which is a verse that I feel like has been just sent everywhere throughout you know, every single sermon you've probably heard, I feel like, refers back to this one. It says, just as a body, though one, has many parties, but all its many parts form one body. I think that's supposed to be has many parts. I typed those up very quickly this morning. I apologize. I'm going to start over. But also parties. We lo- The Lord loves celebration, amen? Come on. That's what that really means. So it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts. But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So what does this mean for us? You know, we may not directly, you know, correlate with where it says Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. But what does that mean for us now? And what it really means is that the Lord wants to engage in relationship with each one of us individually. As I was saying a moment ago, the Lord speaks to everyone so personally, so individually. I like to say that he speaks in my own language. So there are so many times I'll be walking. He'll say, dude, what are you doing? Stop. That's so stupid. Quit it. And I know he couldn't speak to to a lot of people that way. But sometimes I need to hear that. I need the smack in the back of my head. That's, That's just kind of the truth for it. So how do we listen to the Lord in that way? That's the question I want to pose that we'll kind of sit on for a few moments. And it's that the Lord wants to engage in relationship with us individually and walk with us. So if we go back to the idea of fellowship within one another, you have to ask, how do we build relationships with people? And, you know, you may say a thousand things. I've got a whole list of stuff. So getting coffee, taking trips together, hosting one another, finding common interests, going on dates, having deep conversations, just being with one another. I know one of my best friends, William, is here, and I think some of the funniest moments we've had were literally just four-hour car rides where it was silent because we were so sick of each other the previous week. But it shows that we got closer to one another. We spent time in one another's presence, and sure, we spent years and years growing together, just as I'm sure all of you have close friends and spouses and family that you've spent probably too much time with, let's be honest. We've all been there. But that's how you grow closer to one another. So why do we do this? It's to build intimacy, which comes back to what I was bringing up at the very beginning. So when we go into a definition of intimacy, it says close familiarity or friendship, closeness, which when you refer back to fellowship, it's a lot of closeness being in a common thread with one another, and it's all about being just with one another. And that's what the Lord wants for us. So as we go through the rest of the sermon, that's really where I want to sit with. So I want to ask, why do we strive to build intimacy? But if you go back to the very beginning, the creation story, we have Adam and Eve. Notice how it's not just Adam and it's not just Eve. We didn't even go through a whole day in the, Lord, in the Lord's creation without him saying, he needs someone to take care of him. So 
I think it's pretty obvious that from day one, the Lord has felt like we need to live in community. And you can even look back to different parts of scripture. There are so many times that we have more than just one character. So, you know, we look at Adam and Eve. We look at Jacob and Esau, the twins of Isaac and Rebekah. Again, more pairs. We've got Mary and Martha. We've got Jesus. He was always with his disciples. I like to say that I want to live like Jesus by eating all the time because I feel like 90% of his ministry was going to a meal, sitting down for a meal, or coming from a meal. And that sounds incredible to me. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But we go on. We see Paul and Silas. We see Moses and Aaron. We see Cain and Abel. That didn't pan out so well. But the point still stands. So... From the beginning of creation, we were beings that were made to crave community. We were made to seek out other people to do life with. And you notice, isolation only leads to darkness. You know, if you don't have a light around you, when you look at candles, for instance, if you have one candle, it's going to take a really small light, and it'll burn out fast. If you have a bunch of candles pointed together, and then you spread them out, it spreads light throughout the whole room. So we're not made to do life just one by one by one. That's why so many times throughout Jesus' ministry, we're called to discipleship. We're called to fellowship. We're called to live amongst each other. Because think about it. Who's ever had someone leave them? And you can take that however you want. You know, maybe someone moved away, like a friend moved away. Maybe there was a breakup. Maybe you lost a family member. Whatever that looks like, who's ever had someone leave? Who's felt alone? I'll be the first to say it. I, I've struggled with that so many times in so many different situations. And, you know, in John 16, 31 through 33, I think we see this from Jesus directly. It says, do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome with the world. You know, as we look at fellowship and we look at discipleship and we look at doing life in community we can't just put it into the people around us because we're people we fall short it says it throughout all of romans that there are a lot of times we're not going to be able to stand up to what the lord has for us because we can't be jesus to someone else if we're the only jesus to someone else we need to look to the lord first we can be that person that's speaking into someone's life we can be that person that's living out the gospel with them but the moment that you idolize someone over Jesus is the moment that you fall short of the glory of God. So we need to understand this. Nothing and no one on this earth can or will contend for the intimacy we can have with our creator. You know, it says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he comes so that he may have life and life to the full. We can't get that from someone on earth. We can't ever ask that of someone. We can't ever seek that of someone. And that's when it becomes idolization. I think so many times throughout, especially the Old Testament, we saw idols being built. We saw the golden calves being built that people bowed down to. And it never ended well for them. It never ended well because the Lord came out on top over every single of those situations. So with that, we can't expect anyone on this earth to contend for that intimacy. You can't sit with someone and say, man, you are all I need. 
They, they may fill a big part of your life, which is great, but nothing can fill that hole that the Lord has in your heart. When you invite him in and you try to replace him with anything else, it's never as fulfilling. It may be easier. It honestly may be more fun at times. That doesn't mean it's fulfilling. Along with that, I want to talk about in Exodus 34, 14, it says, For you shall worship no other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. He's jealous for our love. He is so excited for the chance to live among us and to sit with us. And to, when, you're, when you feel like all is lost and gone, he's so excited for the chance to just sit there with you in silence, in prayer, in whatever that needs to look like. And in this, it's a really interesting verse because jealousy is usually seen as such a very bad thing. And in a lot of contexts, it can be. It has a negative connotation around it. But in this, it's saying that he's jealous because he wants our full affection. I think this, uh, the first song we were singing, our affection, our devotion, poured out on the feet of Jesus. When you come to the idea of affection and devotion, that's not something that you can just do halfway. If you truly are pouring out all of your affection, if you're truly devoted you can't just do that halfway. That's something you are fully committed to. Devotion is the full direction facing towards something. Devotion means you're, you're all in. You can't just be like one foot in, one foot out. That's not being devoted. That's being kind of halfway committed and not really being there. And that's not what the Lord wants either. He wants you to be fully devoted to him. So with that, I... The next point I wanted to bring up was that his voice gets louder and clearer as you spend more time with him. It says in James 4, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep, but let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Let that be known. That's not when you draw near to God. That's, that's the opposite. When you draw near to God, he draws closer to you. But he'll only get as close as you allow him to be. For instance, if you invite someone over to your home and you say, I'm going to cook the best meal ever and I'm going to do everything. It's going to be the best night ever. And they come up to your door and the door's locked. How are they going to get in? How are you supposed to let them in if you tell them, I want you to be here. I want you to be right there. And then you don't open that door for them. With that, as we get closer to the Lord, he will get closer to you. And how do you do that? You may wonder, you know, do I just say it once and then I'm good? Am I set? No, it's consistent repetition of sitting in the Lord's presence. It's consistently going back to the Lord. It's consistently in the high tops and the low points of your life, sitting with the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust you. Saying, Lord, you are good. And it's in those moments where, man, Lord, you have come through so, so much more than I could have imagined. You know, this paycheck was so much higher than I could have expected. This opportunity, this new job, this whatever, you have come through more than I ever could have asked you for. But then it's also the moments where my, my favorite word in the whole Bible is the word Hosanna. Because my favorite translation was from a pastor where he said, David was essentially saying, Lord, I trust you, but I have no clue what is going on. I feel like that all the time. Am I the only one? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I feel like there are so many times throughout Scripture, there's a countless number of times that David uses the word Hosanna in Scripture because 
he knows that there's chaos around him, but he knows the Lord is his foundation and he knows the Lord is still good. But how does he know that? You know, we've seen David described a thousand times in scripture as the man after God's own heart. Did he mess up? Yes. But did he keep going back to the Lord? Also, yes. So with that, you need to start becoming familiar with the Lord, spending more time with him. You know, as you get closer to someone, you get closer to them, they get closer to you, and you grow together. That's intimacy. Really, the best way to put it is that familiarity comes with devotion. Familiarity comes with devotion. As you become to get closer to someone, you become more trustworthy to them. They become more trustworthy to you. You spend more time with them. You, you, as you get closer to someone, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, you will be more drawn to talk to them. You'll be more drawn to trust them with things. You will ask them to do stuff for you. You will do life with them. And that's exactly how the Lord works. So how do we devote time to the Lord? You know, it looks like a lot of different ways. It looks like worship, prayer, reading scripture, fasting, building community, finding your small group, finding your church community, sitting in silence in the Lord's presence, just seeking him, resting in his presence. You know, and I think it looks a little bit different for everyone. I know what I'm reading in my Bible is gonna look different than what you're reading in your Bible. You know, it's gonna, even if we're reading the same passage, the Lord is gonna highlight different things because we're hearing different things from him. Because, not because we're misguided or because we have a skewed perception of what the Lord wants to say, but because he has that personal relationship with you. And he wants to have that personal relationship with you. The Lord is incredible because he's so vast and so, you know, all-consuming of the world. He's so much greater than we could even imagine. But he gets down into the nitty-gritty and gets into the personal one-on-one conversations with you and says, hey, I'm here. It's just me. And I, I think I take that for granted, honestly, so often because I see at what he's done on a greater scale of building churches and making miracles happen and doing all this stuff and then realizing he sat with me while I was, you know, upset in my college dorm room about who knows what test I failed. I failed plenty. Don't worry. Sorry, mom. I know she's watching online. She probably didn't know that. It's okay. It's great. The Lord wants to know all about you. He knows it all, but he wants you to sit with him. He wants you to tell you about it. He wants you to tell him about it. So with that, as we look back at devotion, I want to bring up Acts 2.42 one last time before I bring the band back up to go back into another moment of worship to close out today. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Again, I don't think it's anything close to a mistake that we see the word fellowship so many times in the New Testament. Because it's not only guided, of course, as fellowship, as discipleship of us as people, but it's how we get closer to the Lord. You can't get to know the Lord better if you don't spend time with him. It's that simple. So as you spend time with the Lord, he will draw near. As we said a moment ago, as you draw near to the Lord, he will draw near back to you says in another part of scripture that the desires of your heart will be granted. And that's not saying, you know, man, I really want a Lamborghini. That'd be sweet. But that's not, that's not what it's talking about. It's saying as you get closer to the Lord, your heart's desires start to match up with his will. 
So as you spend more time with the Lord, his voice gets clearer and clearer and clearer. We're going to go back into a moment of worship here in a moment. So I'll invite the band back up. I think they're back there right now. But before we do that, I just want to tell one quick story. So back in college, I lived in a dorm room with like 30 other guys on my floor. It was always chaos. You know, you know how college life goes. You never get any privacy. It's always just everyone is on their own, but no one's ever alone. You're always around 30, 40 other people. You're always sharing bathrooms that just don't work out well. It's, it's always a mess. But I had one of my best friends, Trey, that lived down the hall from me. And something we always did on this floor was that we always kept our doors open, not because we had anything to hide, but just because we all knew we wanted to hang out because it's college. What, what are we actually doing? Studying? No, couldn't be that. But one thing I noticed was that Trey and I had every single class together. We spent all of our time together, really. So it got to the point where we knew each other's schedules. We had everything kind of planned out day to day. But it got so far to the point that he and I both had our keys on little carabiners like this. And it got to the point where at 9 a.m. as we were getting ready to go to our class, that started at 9 a.m. We were always late, but we knew it was gonna be late. It's fine. I would hear his keys down the hall, just, and I knew it was him. It was a very specific tone and I was like, oh, there's Trey. And then my roommate Eric would be like, how do you know? And then he would walk past. He thought I was psychic, which was pretty funny, but it was really just, I had spent so much time with Trey to the point where not only did I know his full schedule, did he know my full schedule, but we could hear each other and just sense when he was walking in. As you get closer and closer to the Lord, that's how his voice becomes. It becomes so clear, so consistent that, you know, as you're at Walmart and you're grocery shopping, the Lord goes, hey, go pray for that person. Or as you're in the drive through line maybe and the Lord says, hey, pay for the person behind you. It goes from less of a, oh, maybe that was just me thinking of a good thing to that was the Lord's voice. We're gonna walk that out. And not only is it in those moments where you're serving, but it's in those moments where you're sitting and you're flipping through your Bible and you're reading the same scripture over and over and over again and you just hear this voice. It's the voice of the Lord pointing out something you had never seen in that scripture that maybe you had read since you were a kid. But as you get closer to the Lord, as you spend more time with him, his voice becomes more and more familiar. So with all of this, you know, I wanna talk about just one last point. Pastor Donis usually has like five closings. I think I'm gonna stick with two. I think that's probably a good balance, somewhere in between. But what I wanna talk about is how we spend time with people. When you go out to meet someone for lunch, when you go out and hang out with them, go do something fun together, it's an invitation. You know, maybe you invite them to go do something, they invite you to go do something else. But there's a response in that. The invitation goes two ways. It's not just, oh, if you invite them, they're for sure going to come. They have to be there too. The difference between fellowship between people and between God is that with people, it's always a, you don't know if that's gonna be a yes or a no. With the Lord, that invitation is always open. Yeah, the invitation goes two ways. But with the Lord, he's just waiting on your response. You have to take that step and invite him in. And it's not gonna be a, oh, you have to win God over kind of thing. It's always that 
he's ready to run back. We've seen the story of the prodigal son where he comes running back. He gives the son a kiss, puts a robe on him, and puts a ring on his finger. And maybe you think, oh, that's not me. Like, I, I sit with God all the time. But I still want to pose the question, what do you need the Lord to enter into your life today? Maybe there's something that you don't even know, and you want to sit with the Lord and ask, hey, what am I not surrendering to you? What aspect of my life have I not let you into? What door in the house of my soul have I kept locked? So we'll step into a moment of worship here in just a second, but I just want to invite you to ask that question. You know, as the, as the band is leading, I want to invite everyone to stand or sit however they want to respond in worship today. But just invite the Lord in today. Don't be afraid to let him speak into you. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.